Pizza Noir, Book 2, Chapter 13. Nice day for hanging out in bars. The toddy of choice for during the ceremony was stout pints of ale and Kelly Sammy's draft glasses, toted from Kelly Sammy's to the cemetery and which nursed at the proper rate would last through the whole thing and until they returned to Kelly Sammy's pub, despite being steadily rained on and their possessors being rained on too. And it did rain on heavier and heavier, rain the rain, as the rite proceeded. Detective Thompson showed up about ten minutes later. The couple produced the urn full of Santos' particulate remains. The man unscrewed its lid and began sprinkling Santos about the ground and into the wet wind. Home, ah, home. In the palace of the beatific body wheel in the center of my physical throat in the vast sphere immersed in rainbows and lights in the center of the beatific wheel lotus there is the clear red evolutionary great scientist Padmanateshvara with high five light ray brilliance bliss void united with the red wisdom angel manifesting in space holding chopper and skull bow may the body scientist host protect all beings a couple chanted together glowing and smiling brightly in the rain. Smith recognized the verse. They were quoting from the classic Buddhist text, a great book of natural liberation through understanding the between, composed by Padmasambhava. Santos's wet hippie friends, musician friends, bar friends, all stood about, some drinking, some smoking, and some not. But they all, despite the location, circumstances, and weather, formed a pretty jovial, sunny crowd. Most were smiling and chatting. Wells' straight-edge punk band had made fast friends with a group that included Santos's jazzmates, and they were all standing there talking shop, several of them not even watching the couple conducting the ceremony or the ceremony itself. Anyway, it was awake, so it was not meant to be morose, Smith thought. Thompson, also smoking but drinking corners off his coffee instead of stout ale, stood next to Smith looking about the crowd. There were, quite very frankly, not any suspicious characters nor really any strangers at hand at all. Santos's next of kin, our only kin, Janice Allison, was already extremely drunk for some reason, and so were Professor Foster and Daisy Wilson, and the three of them were making out and becoming pretty handsy on one another and a bit cacophonous, but the, nobody seemed to mind. It was to this relaxed atmosphere and among the divided attention of the crowd then in which occurred what a minor incident in the, the overall scheme of things. It made for a period of suspended certainty about what had happened and what was going on. Smith actually saw what caused it. A woman standing near the, apparently, a woman standing near the couple with the bowl full of Santos slipped in the mud and fell toward the woman with the urn who quickly shoved the urn at her partner and caught the falling woman well almost. She tried to catch the falling woman, and both women fell into a sloppy puddle of mud and rain, freshly spilled ale, hitting the man with the urn, knocking him off balance, and causing him to hit the ground as well, but not before he tossed the urn high into the air above the crowd. Smith afterwards figured that since the man knew he was falling with the urn and knew that it was about to spill everywhere, that he probably just decided to chunk it high in the sky to make the best of it, it's better odds that way, better scattering the ashes at least if it didn't land upright, which was 
what they were about to do on purpose in the first place. Incidental to the man and the two women hitting the mud and the contents of the urn puffing out above the crowd was a thunderclap and lightning flash. Thompson turned to look at Smith. The two were already standing slightly back from the crowd, and they both instinctively backed up a couple more steps from the mess unfolding before them. With the thunder and lightning, the rain went from quite steady to formidably heavy and continued quickly creeping toward Torrentius. The three were helped up from the mud, and there were a few more words to say to close the ceremony, and the crowd sheepishly, but swiftly made its way back to the bus and back to Kelly Sammy's tavern. Before they left the cemetery parking lot, Smith and Thompson talked sedan to sedan from driver's side window to driver's side window. I understand that the sharks are gone, Smith said. Yep. Basically, just a little shark-shaped pile of sand where their carcasses had been in the coroner's office. I don't know whether they reanimated and hopped or rolled out or whatever they do to get around on land, or if they were stolen, or if they just disintegrated overnight like dead, murderous, evil people-eating landfish might be prone to doing, Thompson answered him. But to get used to it, Smith, a trip to the morgue doesn't mean what it used to mean, and be on your toes tonight, it's Saturday, he winked. Smith grinned back. Smith had difficulty thinking of a reason to remain at Kelly Sammy's for the rest of the afternoon's wake. There seemed no benefit. It seemed a waste of time to him, a bunch of drunks. He instead went to his apartment to cleanse himself of the rain and mud of the cemetery with a warm shower. It was Saturday, he thought, and he might as well take a quick break as opportunity availed itself. As happy hour commenced at Kelly Sammy's, Foster, Wilson, Allison... Returned, meanwhile, from Foster and Wilson's condominium, still drunk, but significantly steadied by all the weird post-funeral sex they had just had. The way the bartender would later describe it to Smith, what happened a few minutes after their re-arrival at the pub, seemed much like the spontaneous urn dropping and that happened earlier in the afternoon. Uh, insofar as its serendipity, the happenstances, and general accidental weirdness, there was a large swordfish it went like this there was a large swordfish mounted above the egress to the restrooms at kelly sammy's it had been up there for years years and handily and fastly bolted into the supporting structure in the arc above the, the the egress to the hall somehow though on this afternoon it escaped the mooring of its final resting place intended final resting place falling grievously head and pointy sword nose first into the unsuspecting patron who unsuspectingly walked underneath it at that very moment on her way to the ladies' room. The woman was Janice Allison. Was. The fish's blade shoved itself truly and deeply into Allison's petite lower neck, just above the very top of her sternum. And when the stuffed fish came off the mount, it made a loud racket, loud enough that people in that part of the noisy tavern could hear it, and they all turned to look. And then the report from... Janice Allison was also grotesque and uh, uh, scary as well. Sickening death cry. Rapidly bleeding out and dying in the floor was Janice Allison with the stuffed fish's sword of a snout having shoved itself through her clavicle, through her heart, as it would turn out forensically, uh, according to Dixie Thompson, and out of her anus. Most of Allison's blood had arched from her body within about a minute.